Good morning. It's Friday, July 19th, and you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz, a daily podcast catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news, all within 15 minutes or fewer. Checking in from the Winfrey Hotel in Hoover, Alabama, my name is Connor Tapp, and I'm joined this in every weekday by 24-7 Sports College Sports Editor, Trey Scott. Trey, what's going on? We did it. You did it. Yep. Media days are over. Accomplished. The SEC media days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pac-12 is all we got left next week, but... For the most part, time to put a bow on this thing, huh? Yeah, I've I've had a I've consumed a lot of Dr Pepper this week, and uh, I'm ready to get back to Nashville and start to uh, re- rejoin my normal diet already in progress. Yeah, I feel that. I uh, I think I'm ready to I'm ready to stop hearing about a few things that. Gosh, I mean, it's just the the media at large sort of wakes up. And spends kind of an off season of, you know, talking about things that I feel like we've been talking about for so long. But the transfer portal, Connor, yeah, is just we just got hit over the head with it so many times this week. Yeah, not not really a whole lot of news coming out of uh, media days. I wouldn't say uh, we talked about the Clemson Alabama beef yesterday. That's maybe one, but two is the transfer portal. And like, no, not a lot of news that we did have some people enter the transfer portal sometimes when their coaches were at the podium podium talking about the transfer portal. But the fact that this is on the minds of so many coaches and uh, they have so many varied and interesting opinions about it is uh, noteworthy because there's, we've seen some additional legislation to kind of amend the transfer process this off season, and I think that's going to continue happening. And what these guys think about it is important because they're the influential people in the ear of the people who are making those rules. So uh, we got a lot of interesting stuff, I thought. From listening to all the coaches talk about the transfer portal and then especially Nick Saban, who you're right, does have the ear. He's sort of the most most influential voice there. It sounds like, and this is backed up by the recent legislation, it sounds like we're going to hit a point where the transfer portal is, it's here to stay, obviously. And its function is that, its only function might be that it allows players to have an easier time transferring as far as coaches cannot restrict where they're going. But it does sound like every single coach would like players to not have the ability to be eligible immediately anywhere. And, and many, many coaches did bring up the term free agency. And they, someone said it's even bad for the fans. So the transfer portal in that in the sense that it allows players to have an easier time clearing through compliance and being contacted and reaching out to anyone is here to stay. The current function of college football free agency, and then again, backed up by NCAA legislation, sounds like that might be ending soon. Yeah, I mean, the there's no reason that the portal mechanism has to be connected to... That, I mean, as Nick Saban pointed out, like that, that part of it is great. It just simplifies the process. Everybody understands what they, is, what they need to do, what's expected of them. It's just that it's been coupled with this uh, inconsistent, inconsistent and uh, at times far too lenient uh, waiver approval process, which uh, in, 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 in the discussion, like those two points have kind of got like merged together and mashed up and I think people forgot whether the chicken or the egg came first in some cases um, but I, I thought 
I, I enjoyed that Nick Saban, and I think Jimbo Fisher kind of pointed that out, that, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with Transfer Portal. It's the waiver approval process that we got to get figured out. And I, I will say this, and it's interesting that we keep bringing up Nick Saban. He was right in the middle of Maurice Smith, the Maurice Smith controversy from a few years ago when the defensive back wanted to grad transfer to Georgia and that was being restricted. And I believe there was something pretty similar last year to Alabama offensive lineman Brandon Kennedy transferring to an SEC school, Tennessee, as a grad transfer. It's kind of funny how that all gets forgotten and now we're just saying, oh, you know, no, the portal's fine. We just, you shouldn't be able to play immediately because that's a grad transfer. And, you know, Saban, you know, Saban acted like, on Wednesday that, you know, a grad transfer is fine. I, I you know, the, the tunes have changed a little bit. The times have changed a little bit. I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, I yeah, kind of just popped point. in my head. I kind of just popped in my head while we were talking about that. Cause it, we're not, we're not too many years removed from coaches thinking they had the right to not only tell players, can they, or can they transfer, but here's where you're not transferring to. Yeah. So at least we have made some progress there. And if uh, SEC Media Days is good for anything, it's kind of like gives you an interesting archive of how coaches have been willing to change their positions on things as it suited their needs at the time. Because you, that, you, you bringing that up reminded me of how at one of these things, Nick Saban went on this whole rant about hurry up no huddle offense and how it was such a detriment to player safety and uh, now that is very much a part of what they do at Alabama so it's uh, yeah I mean on the one hand you can get kind of tricked into like praising guys for taking interesting stances or criticizing them but it's important to remember that they're just kind of like advocating what's going to make things easier for them to do their job they're not it's not from a place of altruism I don't think no, no question. Um, moving on, I think something else I, w- I couldn't shake. Media days, and I, I enjoyed listening to you kind of talk to me about this when we went to dinner one night. Media days have changed so much in the last few years, and you're an SEC guy. It felt like, Connor, and I'll, I'll let you take it away here, this isn't working the way it once was. Uh, when Mike Sly was commissioner in conference, expansion was happening, and it felt like the SEC was just such a big deal that you need four days and you need the SEC network and all that. What are your thoughts on, are we, are we conventionally too many people? Is this all much to do about nothing as far as actual news getting gathered? What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of things are, have happened at once. Uh, I think a, there just used to be like so much more large scale news broken, like conference realignment was going on. Mike's live in a way that Greg Sankey so far isn't really was kind of like leading a lot of these massive changes that were happening throughout the sport and you wanted to know what he was going to say because it kind of set the table for like what are going to be the big issues the big meta issues throughout college football this upcoming year and I mean part of it is the fact that we just gotten and that was still during the SEC's national championship streak and they were still kind of and parts of that on the ascendancy as, as a conference. And so it was kind of just like building out this empire, literally, when you talk about conference realignment. And then now Greg Sankey is just a little bit of a different commissioner. We're hearing a lot. And part of that's just a function of the changing times. Like everybody is a little bit more interested in issues like player wellness than they used to be a long time ago. So that's a thing that I've heard a lot at uh, Sankey run media days. And 
And, and, and an- another thing that's happening is that I think in reaction to some of those late eras live media days being just such big spectacles in terms of all that stuff breaking is that it got and it it ended up getting overcovered probably probably definitely um, and that's from the creation of the SEC network and I think they're touting like 40 hours of content that they're filming here is probably more than that I guess um, uh, uh, from from media days and it is just so covered no news really comes out because the way the sport is covered has changed over the years. There's not any, we're not like waiting to find out about the status of a second string linebacker, like fighting back from an injury. Like we, we know that we have our 24 seven sports sites. We have everybody else covering these teams. There's just not a lot to find out that you didn't already know every now and then something interesting happens, but just not really for the most part. Yeah. If you didn't have the, Gosh, if you didn't have the transfer portal and if you didn't have Dylan Moses and Nick Saban yesterday, nothing interesting would have happened. Just so many people, so many media that you'll never hear from again the rest of the year. Yeah, There's only a few relevant sites, in my opinion, that cover college football anymore. And they're not the ones... um, you know, asking all the questions of that. So you were saying you had some ideas about like how you could change things, make this better? Yeah, if you don't... Well, outside of just, you know killing these media days and i guess that's not <laughs> yeah. going to happen because it's it is important for the conference networks four days is a lot i don't know how else you split up 14 teams but i would there's probably too many credentials going out not that like i was like gotten like media people are getting in my way or anything and then so i would you know restrict some credentials i would find a way to have media have better access to these players connor they're the media is you know coming to these events and you get if you're lucky and if you're lucky on radio row you get five minutes one-on-one with a player and we we you know that was hard to get enough and then you go into the media scrums and you've literally got you know 20 guys around each player at a minimum and it's hard to get much they've got so many other responsibilities and obligations SEC Network's a whole animal of its own. So I, I think in the future, it'll be up to the outlets, sending the people. You have to go. You can't cover you know, Georgia and not go to SEC Media Days, but I think everyone understands they're not going to learn something. So I think maybe dialing back on the number of people would probably be a good start. Yeah, and maybe... So a, a thing that you and I noticed was that it when in the scarce availability that you had with the players a lot of times they were kind of hijacked by people who cover specific teams who were there all week like just making every filtering everything through the lens of their team and uh kelly bryant getting 50 questions about his experience going up against texas a&m last year and it was just like boy i mean i i understand like i understand where you're coming from but it feels like we could structure this in a way, so maybe there's a little bit less of that. I don't know. I did appreciate, and I'll segue into my last thing. Yeah. I did appreciate the invite by the SEC to the Saturdays Down South um, yeah. college football preview show. Saturdays uh, in the South. Saturdays, okay, sorry. Yeah, Saturdays, probably some yeah, trademark my bad. issues. My bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that was cool. They, they gave us a little sneak peek into a docu-series they're going to be unveiling every Tuesday during the season. 
sort of retelling the stories of iconic SEC players and teams, and we got to watch something cool on Archie Manning, something on Herschel Walker, something on Florida coach Steve Spurrier, and then we had a roundtable with those those three people and the ESPN's or the film uh, producer, and as well as Laura Rutledge. And I thought it was really well done. You said you were a little bit surprised at the quality, maybe more than we were expecting from what they had previously done. Not to say it had been bad or anything, but it was kind of like a movie. Like each one is like a really like a legitimately good movie with a lot of film that we hadn't seen before. So I think fans of not just the SEC but of college football like will en- will enjoy this. Yeah, I, I thought the the clips that we saw were really good. It 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 seemed like they took this project pretty seriously as like a as a as a piece of art i guess um and i don't know that previous some of the documentaries they'd done before and maybe it's partly because i don't know the one on steve spurrier jumps out the one that they ran previously i forget what it was called uh i think it was produced by kenny chesney and it just felt so half-assed um and uh, but this seems like they really thorough thoughtful interviewed a lot of interesting people and yeah i'm looking forward to it well trey um next week gonna be interesting no me on the podcast i don't know who you're gonna get to replace me uh maybe afterwards i'll ask you who is a tougher uh co-host me or my replacement and then we can start a feud about it um Uh, but that's going to do it for today's episode of the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend to check us out. For Trey Scott, I'm Connor Tapp. And Trey, but not I, will see you bright and early on Monday for the next edition of the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz.